this series, we've decided we're going to interview three different couples associated either within our congregation or associated with our church and talk about the different uh, life events that they have been through where they have seen Jesus in the midst of their circumstances. Um, the song that we sang, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, is basically in reference to what we read about in the Bible, but we know that the story of Jesus is not done because Jesus is alive and he is seated at the right hand of God and the Bible says he is interceding for us and so the story is not over and we have seen him work in the lives of of people within our congregation. Last week, I, I, again, Will and Jess, thank you so much for sharing with us, for being being vulnerable like that. I know that's not an easy thing to do, but let me tell you that that I have received numerous text messages and Facebook messages about um, how much that helped individuals here last week. And that's the whole point of this, uh, this series, because I feel like there are there are people within our congregation who are going through things that we don't know about um, and we're not going to know about unless we hear the story. And one way we can hear the story is to get people up here and talk about it or uh, maybe we just need to do a better job of investing in the lives of other people one-on-one -on -one as well and that's something uh, I think we can, we can work on as well. But uh, today we're going to talk about uh, how God is present even in the midst of health issues, serious health issues. We sang uh, the song just a moment ago, You Are Good, You Are Good. Um, and, and sometimes it's hard to sit back and say that and sing that in the midst of difficult circumstances. This morning, Scott and Elizabeth Raylander are with us. Guys, would you come on up here? A lot of you know Scott and Elizabeth. Uh, they came to us a little over a year ago, right? It was a year ago over the summer, so maybe about a year and a half-ish. You've been here with us, moved here from Arizona, and um, we've uh, got to know them pretty well in a short amount of time, and, and uh, their, their story is one that is uh, none of us, uh, us want to go through, um, and um, it's a story that I think... Um, we all need to hear. I think it's a story where we can sit back and even in the midst of difficult circumstances, we can see the hand of God all over it um, and can say, sometimes even reluctantly, God is good, even though we question it sometimes. And uh, so those were already turned on, and I think I probably just turned them off. Okay, that was not good. I should leave it to our tech people to take care of that stuff. Yep, I turned it off for sure. But uh, guys, I'm just going to let you share a um, little bit of what God has brought you from. So Scott, I think uh, as we met this week in the office, your story, uh, we probably need to start with you first and then uh, Elizabeth second and see what we can learn from that because I know sometimes... Uh, as we talked about, you've, you've kind of felt like Job at times, and, and um, so fire away. Good morning, church. So I'm Scott. This is Elizabeth, my wife. Um, we met, what year was it? <laughs> good start. Not a good start. <laughs> 1994. 
Um, we just had our 21st wedding anniversary this past week. So, um, so thank you. So um, we have two boys, Peyton and Brandon, and uh, they're out there in the congregation. So um, this all started for us when uh, Ron, this whole idea, when Ron came over to help me um, carry some furniture into our apartment. And so I don't know how we got on the topic, but I started to share our, my story and Elizabeth's story. Elizabeth was not there at the time and uh, about our journey. And, um, and so when I shared it with Ron, he, he said to me, would you be willing, you and Elizabeth, to share this with the congregation? Because he, he had this idea of where we are right now and uh, in a sermon series. And uh, I said, well, I probably should. We probably should. Um, I know there's a lot of stories out there everybody can speak of, but I just feel that, and I asked Elizabeth, uh, is this something that you want to do? And we just felt like God is calling us to share this testimony. So, um, so here we go. All right. So in uh, 2014, uh, Brandon and Peyton were 8 and 10 at the time. Um, everything seemed to be fine and all until March of 2014. And um, so I started to have some leg pain and stiffness in my right interior leg. And I went to the, the doctor and uh, urgent care, and they looked at it, and they said it was an infection of some sort. And uh, so I didn't think anything of it. And then two weeks went by, and over the course of that time, I think I had gone to urgent care one other time because it, it, it got worse and worse to the point where I couldn't move my leg. It was about two to three size that, that it should be and um, didn't know what was going on. So I went to my, my friend, uh, Rick Waddell, who was, our, who was a Christian friend of ours and our doctor, and uh, I actually called him and said, Rick, I don't know what's going on, but my leg is not getting better. I've been on antibiotics. And um, so he said, well, why don't you come on into the office? It was a Saturday. And so I went into the office, and um, Rick looked at it, and he said, I'll give you the strongest antibiotic I got. If this doesn't get better or remotely better by tomorrow morning, then you, you probably need to go to the ER. So he gave me a shot, and... Um, because he didn't know what it was either. And um, so the next morning, I woke up, and it was, it was worse than it was uh, that previous evening. So, you know, my mom and dad came over, and Elizabeth kept telling me, you know, the previous probably three or four days, you need to go to the ER. And um, <laughs> I was like, ah, it's, it's, it's going to go away. It's, it's, it's an infection. They said it's an infection. So... Um, my mom and dad came over. My dad is one of those guys that, because I was an athlete, and he's like, you know, get up off the ground. You're, you know, unless I have a broken arm or something, uh, you just, you know, fight through it. But, um, but he looked at it, and he said, Scott, I think you need to go to the ER. So, so I took everybody's advice, went to the ER. And um, so I got into the ER, and the doctor looked at me, and and uh, never heard the words that I heard from a doctor before. And he says, uh, I just want to be very honest with you. 
and he said, I think this is really severe. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, and he said, um, I'm afraid you have an extensive uh, D-vein thrombosis, uh, which is an extensive blood clot. And, um, and, 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 and during this time, I was having difficulty breathing, which I thought was my asthma. So um, didn't think anything of that, just thought it was asthmatic. And uh, so they did the scans, and sure enough, I had a, a large uh, blood clot running from my upper leg all the way down to my calf. And, uh, and from that point on, um, I went directly to ICU, and um, over the course of five days, I was in ICU with three surgical procedures to fix my leg. <laughs> so... Um, Oh, yeah, I had a pulmonary, pulmonary embolism, which are blood clots in the lungs. So um, just thinking to myself, God, what is going on? You know, uh, why would I get a blood clot as such? Um, so want to add anything to that? Well, the doctors were pretty, they scared us. They said yeah. they were actually surprised that he even walked into the ER and that it hadn't broken off. To his brain and given him a severe stroke. I mean, he said we were—he was very lucky yeah. uh, to not have that happen. And that was the Lord; He was protecting me, no question, because I'm here today. Um, so during that time, uh, we had to figure out what caused this. So apparently, I have a genetic blood disorder I never knew about until that time, and. Um, I have factor two mutation, so my, my blood clots quicker than the average person. So um, it took about roughly three months for me to uh, recover from that. I, had, I couldn't walk for about, uh, about a month or so, went through some, some physical therapy, and uh, I did get better. Um, what happened throughout all that was um, it bankrupt us. I had catastrophic, we had catastrophic insurance and uh, at that time, and uh, we were kind of in a transition period, uh, or I was in a job, and I normally was covered completely through work, but um, I was purchasing a, um, a Blue Cross insurance that was more catastrophic oriented, and uh, we had some debt already, but the debt that occurred from that was... Uh, there was no way we could get out of it. So we talked to, to Jeremiah. And, and by the way, our church that we were with, I was serving a music ministry at that time. And were you part of the women's ministries? Yeah. And our church was amazing during that time for us. They were there for us. They fed our family. They helped out with meals. Um, they prayed for us daily. Jeremiah, our pastor, actually showed up the first day I entered the ER and he was right there and prayed for, for, for me and, our, and the family. And I, I will have to say, I want to share something that, that is pretty amazing. Despite hearing an ER doctor tell you this is really severe and, I mean, don't, we can't take this lightly and coming to find out it's, it was pretty bad, um, I had peace. I knew God was carrying me. Um, how I knew that, I just know. It's a piece I, I can't, that goes beyond understanding. 
It's not because of my faith. It's not because of I'm a man of faith. It's because of God. So, so I'm very thankful to him for that, of course. And he carried our family through this as well. So it comes to the point where we have to go through a bankruptcy, and we did that. And right about that time, we were planning on relocating, actually, uh, out of Arizona. And this is in 2014, mind you. And uh, then we felt like everything was going well, getting back on our feet. I was starting to get better. I was walking, going back to work. And then October hit. And Elizabeth can share her story with us. Um, Probably I would say maybe a month before October 6th. um, I worked a lot. I was a catering manager. Um, I was an events manager. So I kind of did four jobs at once. Um, I was the only one who can pretty much do my job. So I kind of was a workaholic because I didn't want to let anybody down. Um, But about a month beginning of September... I just felt like God was telling me that you need to start preparing yourself for something. So I cut off all my social media. I dive into the word more. I did more devotionals. I listened to Christian music at work even more than I already did in my office. And I just thought, well, something's going to be going on at work. Um, A lot of changes. Uh, About September 15th, um, I started getting sick. Um, I would still have to go to work because I didn't want to disappoint anybody. Uh, went to the ER. Um, one of the Saturdays I had a wedding. I had a call him. I had a massive headache. Uh, never had one before. He had to pick me up, take me to the ER. Uh, they said I had uh, migraines, which I never had before. Uh, they sent me home a few days before or after that on a Wednesday. Um, I woke up and on my left side was numb. Um, I was stuttering, slurring, um, and he wanted to call 911. And I said, no, the kids need to go to school first, not disrupt (laughs) anything. You can drive me to the ER afterwards. Um, They did some testing, and they thought maybe I had a TIA or something. Um, Then a few days later, um, my stuttering and slurring started getting worse. Um, I couldn't really write with my left hand anymore. Um, I started, yeah, neck stiffness. Um, I started dragging my left leg because I couldn't really have control of it. Went to the ER again, and they're like, there's nothing wrong. It's probably just your migraines. The the same ER each time. So I thought, okay, I guess it's in my head. You know, I just need to keep plugging away, going to work. So on that Monday, October 6th, I went to work because I had a budget meeting, um, and I could not miss that. Um, So I'm like walking from the parking lot, dragging my left leg, and I could barely talk. And I felt like I was gonna collapse once I got to work. And then at that time, the chef, um, which I worked with him, um, called Scott and said, you need to take her to the emergency room. Again. Um, Again. So that time, uh, you call a friend of ours. Yeah, so... um I had no idea what was going on, and I knew something was not right. Um, and each time, just to add in here, um, every time we were in the ER, you know, I begged the ER doctor to to do additional testing because something wasn't right, and and they would not do it. They just sent her home those three visits. 
So when we got to this point where we needed to take her in again, um, I called uh, our friend Jason Kirkland, who was our dentist, a uh, really good friend of ours. And uh, I take that back. He, he had messaged you. Yeah, me asking how Elizabeth was that day, actually. And um, so I called him, and, and he was asking how she was doing. And I said, we're about ready to take her to the ER again. And so Jason said, he asked what her symptoms were, I explained. And then he said, Scott, you need to take her to TMC, to some medical center. I wouldn't take my family anywhere else. And we had been going to another uh, hospital in Tucson. And he said, I have a, a neurosurgeon friend of mine, Dr. Rivera, who I'm going to call right now. And I'm going to inform him of your of Elizabeth's situation, which it's nice to know people, I guess, in the business. Um, and, uh, and so he called me back, and he informed Dr. Rivera, and he was out of town. But he called the ER specifically for Elizabeth, and they were waiting for her when she walked in the door. <laughs> And this is a big hospital. It's about 500 beds. So we get in there, and within probably an hour, they did a lumbar puncture on her. And um, it was showing meningitis, viral meningitis, right out of the gate. But it had been extensive. So it had been ongoing for some time. So... I felt like at that point, this was not good, um, just because it had been going on without supportive therapy. And so that evening, um, they told me to go home. They said, I'm going to need my rest. I said, okay. Uh, I said, I'd rather be here with my wife. And the nurses told me uh, when they took her, they, they pretty much took her to the ICU. And... and um, they said, you're going to need your rest, Scott. Um, we know you're here for your, the best interest of your wife, but trust us on this. So I went home. And the next call I got was at about midnight, about midnight that evening. And uh, they told me they were going to intubate Elizabeth. Uh, her heart rate, she was just shutting down. And um, so... I had no clue what was going on, and I was very concerned, very scared. And I told the nurse over the phone that I said, I'm coming down. And she told me the same thing. She said, please don't. She said, just wait till the morning. Get your rest. You're going to need it. So. Um, Which, before I got intubated, the nurses came in because my stats were apparently dropping, and um, they had me blow into this thing where it shows how you're breathing and she just was like oh like panicked and then I kind of see like a rush of people come in and I, and she's like we're gonna have to intubate you we'll let you call your husband and I was like no I can blow into that again I can do it better <laughs> you know I just kept thinking no I'm fine like it's not that serious and they just let me, I, I didn't really say much I, they just pretty much let me hear his voice and him say, I love you, and then, you know, I'll, I'll see you later, which I, I have to look at my notes because um, one of the after effects of viral meningitis and encephalitis um, left me with a 
cognitive disorder, so I tend to like forget things. So I kind of just wanted to just go by my notes. Um, so basically, um, I would have never thought I would open my eyes and realize I would be on a ventilator machine and feeling helpless. But at the same time, in God's presence at that moment, I realized this is what he was preparing me for during that time. So he came in, I don't know, when did you come visit me the next day, right? <laughs> the next morning, uh, early the next morning. And, yeah, let me, and then, and so there's two really profound things that happened when Elizabeth was in the ICU. So I walked into the ICU and uh, there was a, a nurse that approached me and um, her name was Cindy. And uh, she was the case manager for me, or Elizabeth and me. Uh, they, they had those set up at TMC. And, um, and she came up and she started to talk to me. And I, we spoke for just a little bit. And she looked me in the eyes. And I was, of course, very scared of what's going on. I, I don't think I've ever seen anybody, a family member, intubated. And she said, you're a believer, aren't you? I said, yeah, how did you know? And she says, I could just tell. She said, I just have these words to share with you. She said, keep your eyes on Jesus and don't take them off. I have never forgotten that in my entire life. It's such a basic thing, but it's so true. When you're going through the the deepest, darkest times of your life, I've always remembered that from that day on. Keep your eyes on Jesus and don't take them off. And I believe the Lord had Cindy tell me that because I needed it most. And while I was intubated, I guess the first thing that I asked for was about work. Um, I was thinking, <laughs> okay, I need to get the person. That might be another sermon someday yeah. that we need to deal with, but go ahead. I thought, <clears throat> okay, I have weddings coming up. I'm the only one that knows how to do this. I need to make sure someone knows about this, My, the person that worked for me, Tiffany. Yeah, and what you need to understand is when you're, when you're intubated, you're on most likely propofol, which you're clouded. Well, Elizabeth wasn't. She was able to communicate, <laughs> and the doctors were baffled over that. So she, her left side was completely dead. She could not move anything on her left side. But she, this communication started when Jeremiah, our pastor, came to the, uh, to the ICU that first day to pray for Elizabeth and for the family and me and, and to be their support. And she would raise her hand very, ever so slowly and do this. She can't speak. You're intubated. And the doctors or the nurse in there was like, what? I don't, I don't think I've seen this. <laughs> like communicating while they're on propofol. So, and she started to write letters on her chest. And we were, Jeremiah and I were trying to spell words as she, and whenever we got the letter right, she would do this. <laughs> or no. True story. 
<laughs> so over time, she communicated with us at one time or another. And the other profound moment that happened, of, of many, but probably two of the most profound moments, was when she had something long, a long sentence to say to us. So we were like, okay, who's got a pen or paper? So we were going to try to do it that way. Because Jer Jeremiah and I are we're having a difficult time deciphering what the heck she's trying to tell us. So anyhow, she first told us that Tiffany at work needs to do this. It was something about Tiffany and, Tiff, Tiff, Tiffany and work. And we said, Elizabeth, don't worry about Tiffany and work right now. We don't need to do that. Um, it's going to be okay. But then we were able over time, Jeremiah and I, and we have the paper still to this day. She, and the writing is scribble, but after every letter that we were able to decipher, she came up with the sentence. <laughs> Remember? That I knew what God was preparing me for. I knew what God, I knew God was, was preparing, preparing me, me for, for something. Yeah. And I, I didn't know what to think. I mean, this is crazy stuff. But for her to share that, Jeremiah, my pastor, and I looked at each other, and we're just like in, in awe. Like, <laughs> God is in this. God is in this. And there is a purpose. And there's a reason. You shared with me uh, this week, though, just the you know, your moments of doubt and, and, and your moments of taking your eyes off of Jesus and starting to focus on the storm, kind of like Peter, you know, taking your eyes off of him, focusing on the storm and feeling like you're starting to sink a little bit. But along the way, God, God gave you little, little nuggets here and there or little, little pieces to the puzzle here and there to kind of help bring you back into focus. Talk, talk for just a moment about, um, just the friendships, the, the, the friends that God used, the way that God used the church to provide for you in so many different ways. And I don't care which one of you talk about that. We talk but. about the church? Well, um, the church really came around us. Um, we were part of a small group during the time um, and that we would host occasionally at our house. And, I mean, just the prayers, uh, even though... It was hard to ask for help because we were, I think, we like helping people instead. It felt weird, people helping us. So just the meals, the prayers, just to come sit with us, to come visit us in the hospital, to come visit me in rehab. Um, after 30 days of being in the hospital, I had to do rehab because I couldn't um, use my left side. I had to learn how to walk and, and write again. Um, just being there, the prayer, um, the cards that we got, um, the, the place that I worked at was a resort, but it was also a retirement com community of 55 and over. So I helped service the people that live there and you can. So, um, at the Highlands, uh, Jeff Ziegler was the director over, uh, the Highlands and, and Jeff really loved Elizabeth, um, and, when she was in the hospital for long term, they, could t they knew that Elizabeth was not going to be coming back, most likely to work. And so 
our situation financially started to be in question. So the church was able to help us at times with some bills because at that point, um, I was working social service work, but it wasn't enough to take care of the family. And then her job was really, you know, she made more money than I did. So she, her short-term disability kicked in, I don't know when, but we were, you could see that there was going to be a financial issue coming real soon. So unbeknownst to us, um, Jeff Ziegler, when she was in rehab, and this is, again, I don't know if you, if you said this, maybe you did, but she was in the hospital for 30 days, and then, and then she went to rehabilitation. When we were in rehab, we started to get letters from people from the Highlands where she worked. It was a community of a 1,000, about a 1,000 people. And Jeff put out some sort of memo asking for prayer, for, you know, to think about our family and if there's any way they can help us. And over the course of about probably three weeks, four weeks, and it was kind of, it was amazing because I was really concerned about our finances. And um, I think guys tend to do that a lot, so, and girls. But, um, but I was really concerned about that because today, you know, two people pretty much have to work to support a family, it seems. And so we start opening these envelopes, and that community, and this was God, we started to see checks come in from letters. And over time, it amounted to over $20,000. Wow. That's Jesus. He gave us what we needed when we needed it the most. So, and even people at my work, once I went through my PTO, because I didn't have short-term disability, I only had long-term disability, um, worker, I mean, workers from like the golf course, you know, making minimum wage, they started donating their PTO towards my bank. And that was, I didn't find that out till later. And I worked with those guys. I worked uh, in golf maintenance for a little while. So uh, we, uh, there's some good guys out there on the course, but for them to do that, that was a lot for them. And that was an amazing blessing. Yeah. Um, anyone add on to that? <laughs> I don't know, it's just looking back, just how God, I mean, he always has his hand on, on everything, but, um, doesn't mean because we had that big year, um, the ongoing struggles of health have not stopped. Um, I was always healthy, never had any health issues. Um, I've been in and out of hospitals and doctors the last eight years, and there's always something that comes up. Even the last week, I've been in the ER twice because I have chronic pancreatitis now, and not being able to eat or drink, it's pretty hard. Um, but a lot of times I just try to, I figure if I don't think about it, it's not really gonna be there. <laughs> like out of sight, out of mind, but you know, that's really not the case. Um, but I do wanna bring up a year later, so around 2015, a year later, um, there was something that happened while I was intubated. And I didn't really talk to Scott about it because I thought, this is not real, it's my imagination, um, it was probably the medicine, uh, something. 
So one of the days that I was intubated, I think he might have known what day because he thought I was, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, I asked for music. Um, somehow I asked for music. Yeah. Uh, worship music. She started to scribble on her chest. Uh, <laughs> she wanted worship music. So we gave her a phone and put on worship music, and we just put the phone right next to her. And there was a moment in time where, and the Jeremiah, our pastor, was there at that time as well. And, uh, and there was a moment in time she just, well, actually, Jeremiah and I walked away briefly. I think we went to grab some lunch or something. And we came back, and we walk in, Elizabeth's hand, and her right hand is in the air. And it's just in the air like this. And I said to Jeremiah, and she had the music going, worship music. Elizabeth loves worship music. And, uh, and I said, well, what do you think? What's going on? And Jeremiah said, I think she's worshiping. And I don't know, but it sure looked like it to me after he mentioned that. So when I was integrated and I, I told him a year later, I was debating whether I was going to say anything or not because I thought I was going to think I'm going crazy. This is one year later. <laughs> I said, you know, I want to tell you something that I ex that I think I might have experienced when I was intubated. And I just felt that I saw the hands and the feet of Jesus. I said I felt like I was reaching out to him. I didn't see his face. I only saw the white robe. I saw his feet. I saw his scarred hands. And I felt like I was reaching out to him. And I felt like I glazed, like, touched his hands. And he said, it's not time. And I thought, there's no way. I mean, I hear people's stories, and I'm amazed. And I think, wow, that is amazing. But why would, if it's true, why would God show me that? What? makes me good enough for him to give me or feel that experience of his closeness. So I just thought, no, I'm not going to talk about it. It didn't happen. I'm going crazy. And I told her at the time, a year later, I said, why didn't you share that with me? I mean, that's profound. And she told me she thought I and other people would think she's crazy. And I said, that's not crazy. Um, that was a blessing. I know you've heard stories of that happening. Never thought Elizabeth would have experienced that. Um, I just thought, what makes me good enough? What, what did I do for him to do that? But I think it was also a reminder of, like, God, Jesus gave his life for us just for being us. Not because we said something, not because we did something. He just wants us to be close to him and come to him. And I, I got to look at my notes again. I'm sorry. Um, I've cried. I repeat this verse a lot to myself where I say, Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. Jeremiah 17, 14. Lord, my God, I call to you for help, and you heal me. Psalm 32. 32. He might not have, he might not ever physically heal, heal me. Um, I sometimes find myself mourning the old me, full of reminders of how I used to be, no chronic pain, no health problems, no chronic migraines, no constant doctor's appointments, no forgetting things, no medical bills, 
no cognitive disorder, no other. Without the hardship and unknown, I would have not experienced God's presence as much as I did and have. His closeness, his calling, his strength, his grace. Um, oh gosh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. If not to where I was before I got sick, I might not have ever be 100%, even still with dealing with health issues now. But I am where God wants me to be. I'm humble and unworthy of, of the experience he gave me of feeling his presence and love. I know a lot of people, when we all experience hardships, whether it's emotionally or physically, a lot of people tend to say, God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> well, I know people mean well, because sometimes <laughs> we just don't know what to say when people are going through a hardship. And I don't, I don't really agree with that statement. <laughs> um, as we are going through deep waters, physically or emotionally, and the waves just keep crashing, God will keep preparing you, no matter how unbearable it is, to rely on him. It's not easy, and he might not be able to, we might not be able to understand it or know the whys. We just need to rely on him and be obedient. We do not want to be uninformed about the troubles we experience. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despair of life itself. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. And I think even though we still experience hardship now, our physical pain, which leads to emotional pain, it is important to keep relying on God because I know there are several of us even within our congregation or people that we meet uh, while we're out and about at work or who aren't even non-Christians, we struggle. We're going through pain, through suffering, and we don't need to go through it alone. We have a church family, we have friends, we have pastors, we have elders, and it's okay to ask for prayer and for help because that's how we got through it for the support of our church family. Uh, the last thing I'd like to share is, because I don't want to forget about the boys. Um, the boys were eight and ten during that time. And the most important thought I had while she was in the hospital was that God would protect them. I did not want to scare the kids. They're eight and ten. They had no idea what state Elizabeth was in. But my parents and her parents helped out watching the boys during this time. And not only that, I know they were involved in prayer uh, to cover them and to make sure that they were secure and they didn't worry about what might come. Nobody knew what the future was going to be or how this was going to turn out. But God did cover the boys and really give them safety and security during that time. And I am so grateful for that because our kids are, are everything to us. And um, so that's definitely a blessing not to forget as well. Um, in spite of everything that we've gone through, you would think we'd look back and say, one or two and done, we're good. Now we can move on in life and it's all going to be hunky-dory. It, it's not. And it's, and it's amazing how a human we are in that you forget about 
it's almost surreal to look back at times on what we went through. We did go through it. God carried us. And yet, I still have my moments, as we shared with Ron on Friday, frustration of where we are even right now. But because we still go through battles, it's, an, it's just an up, it's a, there's the valleys, there's the mountains in life. But one thing I'd like to share is it's not about how much faith we have. It's just the faith we put in Jesus. And Jesus did it all. It wasn't of us. It was of Jesus. So um, I think that's really important. To I, know. I do want to add one. You thing. say whatever you want to say. Um, I want to, for anybody who feels like, wow, I didn't go through any of that, how can I experience, you know, God or how can I share? God has given each one of you a story, no matter how big, how mm -hmm. small, how anything, y'all have a testimony and our testimonies, I believe, are meant to sh be shared to help others and encourage others because that's how God designed it, to help each other, to be in it together. We are not meant to go through this life alone and our sufferings alone as well. Amen. Thank you guys so much for sharing with us. Would you guys just give them a hand for um, I, I appreciate um, you bringing up the, the people that were so involved in your life and just, you know, that were there for you. And, and uh, you know, one story that, that came to my mind this week as we were preparing for this, and even after yesterday, I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and how he was uh, shipwrecked. But God gave him exactly what he needed in that shipwreck, even provided a person for him, Julius, a guy by the name of Julius, who was there to help him do what he needed to do that he had never even known before. And God is using people and holding everything uh, together when it looks like we're about to fall apart. God's holding everything together and we don't even see it. And I know that he has held you guys together and I know he's been in the middle of all of it. I cannot thank you enough for... Um, for being so open with us today, and I just feel led, and I have not, I haven't talked to anybody about this, but the whole time I'm sitting here thinking um, of James, the book of James, it says, is any among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church to lay hands on and pray for you. Can we do that? Are you guys good with that? You're not going to tell me no in front of everybody, are you? <clears throat> Okay, uh, elders, uh, can you help us with this? And it also says something about anointing with oil. We don't have oil. I don't think that's a magical formula. Um, I think that was kind of a medicinal thing that they had. But uh, if the elders that are here and anybody else that wants to come, I, want, I just want to circle around you guys. I know that God has, God has brought you here for a reason, uh, multiple reasons, um, Initially, I just thought we were getting a drummer. Didn't realize that we were going to get someone as talented and uh, as creative as Elizabeth to help with our ladies' ministry. And then, you know, we even we even tolerate the boys, you know. And and uh, the, no, they're they're incredible kids. Um, and we are just so thankful. I, I hate your circumstances that you've had to go through, but I'm so thankful that it's brought you here. And so, um, guys, if you would, um, 
There, here comes Dean and Mike, and I see Logan. And some of the staff guys come on up. Yeah, Spencer, you go ahead and grab the Would you guys just come down here? And uh, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And while, uh, come on down here to the front, if you would. I know this is kind of not what we're used to doing, but it's biblical, trust me. <laughs> um, if you want to grab a hand next to you even, and, and we, want to, we just want to pray for, for Scott and Elizabeth. And, and uh, you know what, I'll start. Logan, would you wrap it up? Okay. Let's all pray together.